This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Claggett with Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. We are literally right upon a caregiver summit, so I'm running a little crazy here. But aside from that, all is well in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's a whole lot of work for you, those caregiver <laughs> summits. I mean, it's it's pretty much you show up, shake a few hands, and then that's you it, right? Know, it's just, that's probably how it seems to the attendee, but it's a lot of back-end <laughs> work for, for the rest of us. So No, it's it's a lot of hard work, and I think the, those who have attended the caregiver summits uh, can see that immediately when they show up. And I want to encourage anyone who's interested in attending to go to caregiversummit.org. That's caregiversummit.org. You can find plenty of information there. Well, Nicole, let's get into tonight's topic, uh, at least the first part of tonight's topic. Yeah. And this is one of those conversations that, again, it's it's important to have, but a lot of people probably don't have when they probably should. Definitely. So today we're going to sort of be talking about the did you knows about the funeral home business and really what it's like to sometimes pre-plan arrangements for yourself or a loved one and then sort of what are some of the options that you have. And we have an awesome guest with us today. His name is Joe Samulski and he's the owner of Renaissance Funeral Home, a locally owned and operated funeral home, which is actually another rare thing to find in this area. Um, And he's going to be talking to us a little bit about some of the things that we should be looking out for as we're trying to make uh, plans for our future. So welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're certainly glad to have you. And I know Renaissance has been a great friend to the uh, adult care and senior care industry for many years. And we appreciate all that you do for the community uh, above and beyond, you know, the funeral home business. So thank you for for that as well. That's the privilege of being family owned and privately owned. We can do what we want to do. So what do you think, uh, if we were just to start off, what are some of the misnomers out there about the sort of funeral home business and and actually planning for a funeral? Well, um, I have a, a checklist here, and I, I'm going to go through, I think, each bullet point. I think um, there's there's about a dozen things that I can point out, but um, I will start out by saying one of one of the things people don't realize, and, and people approach me with it and say, well, I, I'm going to place my funeral plans in my will. And that's one of the things I always say, did you know that you should not place your funeral plans in your Why? will? Why? Uh, because that's <laughs> normally looked upon after the funeral that that's that's after death well after death sometimes maybe months after um in some cases a year or so after it just depends but when when the death happens people aren't going immediately to the will it's how are we going to take care of this person well it might and depend then, on the family exactly i'm just kidding some families <laughs> might go right to the will <laughs> who wants to take care of fluffy but uh, yeah yeah so i guess if you don't put it in the will where do you put it well well you've got options that's a good thing um, um Number one, always communication. Communicate to your survivors. Um, if you don't know who exactly you're going to, ha- uh, who's going to survive you, just simply designate an aftercare contact. Make, make just decide who it's going to be. Um, if none of that, place the instructions um, at home somewhere that's accessible, that's visible, in a binder, on the fridge, um, in another known place, uh, maybe in your home office, in a drawer. Um, I mean, it's, it's less than 20% of people actually do this. 
or plan in advance. Plan in advance. Well, yeah. I, and the irony of our conversation today, um, and my mother passed away a few months ago, and literally as I was sitting in the lobby of the radio station waiting for you to arrive, my father calls me and he said, do you have a quick minute? And I said, sure. He said, okay, well, I finally have gotten getting around to uh, interning your mother's ashes. Do you want to be here? And I was just like, what is the irony of this when I have a funeral director yeah. walking in in a few minutes? So yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. But, um, but yeah, so I guess... Pre-planning, you know, sometimes people don't really think about that until, well, sometimes people never think about the fact that they pre-plan. But then on the other points, um, you know, sometimes death just happens suddenly for some people. So pre-planning seems interesting to me because, you know, first of all, why should we do it? And then we are a very transient society these days. People are moving all around. So I guess one of the questions I would have for you is, you know, if I decided to pre-plan with you and then all of a sudden 30 years from now I'm in Arizona, I may not have my connections back here in Raleigh. How does all that work? Well, the good thing is um, um, you have, uh, if you have a designated aftercare contact, they can in essence really go anywhere Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just as long as they know your plans, they can do that in Arizona, California, New York, Florida. I mean, really just anywhere. Um, you know, if you've made your plans at a funeral home. And so pre-planning is different than prepaying. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because you can do one or the other. The mm-hmm. funeral home can simply place your information on file. And we do that with many, many of the folks at the Renaissance. Um, they come in, they, they place their information, we keep it, they didn't pay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. The other group of people like to prepay. That's the full pre-planning package. Mm-hmm. And um, and now if you did prepay, the good thing about North Carolina is that money is portable. And and the second thing is it's not our money. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, held a misconception. Yes, it's a third party account. Mm-hmm. It's held in a trust. It's called a funeral trust. Mm-hmm. And that money is accessible really anywhere, even in another country. So you're just simply naming the funeral home the beneficiary of that account. One of the things I often hear estate planning, estate planning attorneys talk about is that they often recommend that part of your planning for your estate is actually pre-planning your funeral and really coming up with that when you're drawing up all your documents. And that's Absolutely. something I've been hearing more frequently now versus in years past. But you know, I think as sometimes people are looking at their assets and what they're trying to do with their assets and planning for long-term care. Perhaps there's an Alzheimer's or dementia diagnosis. And so you're really looking at something terminal in many years. Um, pre-planning the funeral actually makes a lot of sense to get those expenses paid for. And then you use you know the rest of the money Absolutely. for paying for your long-term care. That's right. That's right. It's all part of the package. I mean, that, that actually kind of brings me into another area that we're talking about is when when you are pre-planning and you know you want a cremation mm-hmm. that's a whole nother aspect of planning because uh, one of the misconceptions i hear and this comes from families that we serve their attorney told them something um or another family member told them something whatever it is it's just a misconception that you can um just easily have a cremation done and what people don't realize is there's an authorization that must be signed before the cremation is to occur so um, the um, power of attorney document for, uh, for the survivor um, actually ceases to exist mm-hmm, um, after death. Mm-hmm. So they can't uh, necessarily come into the funeral home and um, use that document to sign a cremation authorization. And the so dead person can't sign. It, the spouse, <laughs> that's right. The spouse can sign, the surviving spouse can yeah. sign. But let's say it, there's three kids, four kids. One of them has a power of attorney for... Um, the deceased, um, well, that's not, um, that's not going to work. Um, medical power of attorney 
might work um, if it if it says within the document that this person has rights to disposition. It gets really technical, but the, the point is that if somebody is able to sign their own cremation authorization, obviously before they die, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Pretty tricky. laughs> that they really should go to their local funeral home, Renaissance Funeral Home, <laughs> and, um, and sign it. So, so I guess it's not as easy to cremate a person as the bottom line than it is to it's just not. traditionally bury a person. Absolutely so, not. So, if the family That's, starts arguing about not wanting that done, it can create. Oh, absolutely. A hold up. If you know, I mean, for those that those people that have kids, you know that your kids don't always agree. So, if you're at the arrangement conference with the funeral director, and there's no, let's say there's no surviving spouses, and the three kids are. Saying, well, I, one says, I, I think dad wanted cremation. The other says, no, I think dad wanted burial. One says, I never heard anything. How are you going to get everybody to agree? You eliminate all that if you are able to just go to the funeral home and get your plans on file um, and simply just tell your kids, hey, when I die, you, this is where I'm choosing. This is the funeral home of choice. Go there. They have all my plans. Simple as that. Well, that makes sense. And, uh, and But the spouse overrides if there's a surviving spouse. As long as she's in um, um, good mental capacity, absolutely. That's good information to know. We've got Joe Smolensky here, and he's the owner of Renaissance Funeral Home, and we're going to continue our conversation right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find plenty more about them at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and our guest this evening is Joe Smolinski, and he is the owner of Renaissance Funeral Home, and we've been talking all about planning and how important that is. And during the break, Nicole, you mentioned green burial and uh, kind of ruffled my brow a little bit. So uh, I think we need to ask Joe about green burial. Well, yeah. So that's a very curious subject. And I have to tell you, you know, the internet is very sneaky because when my mom passed, you know, I started, was looking up a few different things and um, somehow suddenly they decided, well, I must be a person who'd be interested in green burial. And they started showing me pods that my mom could be buried in and she could turn into a tree and she could turn into, a, you know, a display of sunflowers. And I was just like, this is very interesting. So let's, let's talk a little bit about green burial. What exactly is that? Well, I guess it can be, it sounds like it can be whatever you want it to be. I, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, generally, it, green burial, another name for it is just natural burial. It's really the way humans had been buried for centuries and centuries, um, if not millennia. Unless you're but, an Egyptian. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It goes in cycles. So, um, and we really kind of got stuck in tradition from, from the 1960s to most recently with the embalming practice, which really had a great purpose. Because um, it, it all started during the Civil War. Um, Lincoln's body was also um, embalmed and paraded uh, through the United States on a train. And, and that contributed to why embalming became popular because you got uh, deaths that are occurring in the hot states in the South mm. and during the summer. And wow, now we can avoid this whole issue of ice, having to ice the body. We mm. can extend, we can yeah. have more family come in, um, have these uh, services at a, you know, extend them a few more days, have more people, uh, more um, um, ceremony. 
And people really began to like that whole idea because it it was perfect for them. But now we've got air conditioning Mm -hmm. in our buildings and we've got um, all this technology that's really helped the funeral industry and and providing death with what it is today. It's so much different than back then. And so natural burial is really making a comeback. Um, So basically what it is, um, it's a biodegradable casket that, that you end up using. There's no embalming, by the way. So, yes, you can still have the funeral five days later. Um, if the funeral home um, knows what they're doing, and that's really important because there's some funeral homes that do claim they have experience in it. And I've heard some bad, sto- really bad stories like just misinformation and things are not getting done. Um, but basically, yes, a biodegradable casket, organic clothing is used. There's no embalming. There's no vault at the cemetery. It's a specialized cemetery that only allows wood caskets. Mm. Um, or some sort of organic type of material. Maybe uh, there's such thing as a banana leaf casket Hmm. or seagrass. Those would be buried in that cemetery. In some cases, no casket at all, just a shroud, um, a shrouded body. The visitation and the funeral can still take place as normal. Really? Yes, they can. Um, Is that vary by state? Because I had a loved one who passed away in Maryland, and we were told that because it was a fast funeral and there was no embalming, there couldn't be a a viewing. Well, they had to be put in a bag or something like that in a closed in, casket. Yes, I, I would say that there are a few, just a few states. Uh-huh. I, I believe it's just about four states. Um, I don't know them offhand, but mm-hmm. North Carolina is not one of okay, them. Okay, so you can still. So mm-hmm. um, that's all I'm really talking about today is uh, North Carolina. But um, What's the big concern with that, though? Like, why is, is it, they it, worried about diseases or something? That's the claim. <laughs> I, <don't know>. I mean, <laughs> it's, I think the main reason is um, liability for the funeral home, Um maybe the state. I mean, the claim is, yes, that by embalming the body, you're ridding it of any bacteria, diseases, or anything like that. But the truth is, actually, there are some bacteria and diseases that still well, exist. Well, it's in the after. tissue. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, the, the, the real truth about not embalming the body is that it's generally safe, unless the person had a communicable disease, right. which is, is rare. But if they don't have a communicable disease, it's fine. The biggest issue we run into for people that want a green burial is... And a viewing, let's say, is if they were they had an autopsy done because um, of yeah. a, of a tragic death or yeah. a car accident or something like that, or where there was trauma to the body. We go to Plan B, but um, we try to make it happen no matter what if that's what they want. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so green burials can happen in the state. You have mm-hmm. to go to very specific ceremonies. There are lots of different options. Yep. Can I be a tree? You can actually. <laughs> I think I believe it was Virginia just recently. I think it was Virginia. The state of Virginia had the first uh, tree pod uh, <laughs> burial. I think it was where the human body was yeah, buried yeah, yeah. in a tree pod. So, That's interesting. Um, I don't know how, how popular that will be. I think people bring it up before. It seems fun. <laughs> That's <laughs> very curious. Definitely. So I guess another thing that I've often heard about, and I don't know if this is a, a myth or, or a true statement, but a lot of people say, well, you know, mom doesn't have a lot of money, but she had a very small life insurance policy, so we're going to use that to pay for her funeral. Does that work? The life, I'm just going to simply say that don't expect life insurance to pay for your funeral. That's, that's, the truth. Um, and here, here are the main reasons why. Uh, well, not all funeral homes accept life insurance. That's, that's number one. Number two, the reason that funeral homes are less and less likely to accept it as they were in the past is because of the validity of the policy. Is it active? Are, were the premiums paid to date? Um, there's issues running into that. Because you have to um, take the risk of, it, it, of doing the whole exactly funeral it. before the money comes. That's exactly right. Because it takes right. a long time for all that. There are companies that have come to be where 
they will take the life policy from the funeral home, give the funeral home the money up front, and that company will wait for the money. Um, and basically the family is charged an additional 4% or so on the funeral um, as a courtesy to wait for that life insurance money. Um, but most families don't want to pay the additional 4%. It's expensive as it is. Now you're going to add 4%. So that's not always a great option. But the other reasons they don't accept life insurance nowadays, um, um, there could be disputes between the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's multiple beneficiaries um, or it's not clear who the beneficiary is, that does happen. They still want claim on the money and they don't want to pay for the funeral. Yeah. yeah. If the purchaser is not the beneficiary, then how does that, you know, how does that work? Um, the waiting period um, for the claim mm-hmm. um, can take 60 days sometimes. Um, and um, waiting, just waiting for the money simply uh, can, can take that long. Uh, the cause of death, if it's unknown on the death certificate, which happens a lot in North Carolina, um, or oh I should I should specifically say the delay uh, of an unknown death um, takes a long time. Um, that whole time you're waiting for the claim How because the insurance company is not going to pay that money out until there's a cause of death. So all of these things. So that's why I say the payment options that that really exist for somebody is not life insurance, it's just setting up a funeral trust. You don't have to pay the whole funeral up front. There are payment plans. Um, there's no additional costs, and there's inflation-proof contracts where you lock the price in place that it is now. So if you don't die in 5, 10, 20 years, your family's not having to come to the table with more money. Okay. So then uh, speaking of cost, um, I think there's also a belief out there that this can be very, very, very expensive. And it probably can be in some cases, but is there a general range for people to expect when they haven't shopped around for funerals before? Yeah. Um, general range, of course, really just depends. Um, if you cremate, cremation, yeah, yeah. cremation, burial, all that good stuff. So, and the type of casket. So cremation is mean, probably less expensive. It, it, it is in general, um, if you're just doing simply a cremation and nothing else, but there are families that would like to have the body present at a, at a visitation or mm-hmm. maybe a funeral first, mm-hmm. then we're going to do the cremation after. So the price range um, in general for a cremation could vary anywhere between, uh, let's say, $2,500 up to uh, $7,000 mm-hmm. or so. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if you go on the burial side, the green burial tends to be less expensive because don't forget, we're not ordering that expensive casket. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not ordering a vault. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things will help to lower the cost. And that those price ranges go from say uh, 4,000 up to maybe nine or 10,000. Okay. Okay. So then the last thing I wanted to definitely touch on before we end um, is you have something called a death, 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 excuse me, not death, death (laughs) cafe. And so that's rather interesting. Do you eat among dead people? No, we haven't gotten to that yet. But <laughs> what exactly is this? Um, no, basically, it's a forum okay. um, where you just listen to other people's stories. And when I say other people, I mean people like yourself, Nicole, mm-hmm. in the nurse, in the senior care field, in in hospitals, um, from other industries. Um, maybe they just are somebody that lives nearby that comes to the death cafe that had a death experience they want to share. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just stories, um, and some people will pose questions to the group. Normally, there's 10 to 30 people, oh, just wow. depending on so the day. Yeah, fairly popular, oh, it yeah. sounds like. Um, and, and basically, this occurs once a month. We have it at the funeral home. Okay. Um, it's called Death Cafe Raleigh. You can go to our website, and there's a link on our website right there. You can click on it, get more information, and um, um, you can come to the next one. Actually, we have one tonight, uh, believe it or not. Uh, well, no, well, it won't be tonight. Um, it'll be in September. Just check our website for the date. And um, also, our Facebook page has all the info. 
Awesome. Well, you've been an amazing guest. We really appreciate your time. And if folks want more information about Renaissance Funeral Home, how do they go about getting that? Oh, uh, well, like I said, our website's a great place to start. You can email me, joe at rfhr.com. Um, and you can always just call us. Our number's all over the internet. Check out our Google reviews and see how well we do. We do great. Excellent. You can search them out on Google. Renaissance Funeral Home Raleigh, and that is R fhr.com rfhr.com if you want to find their website Joel Smol so, ah, Joe I'm messing up your name Smolensky. here let me let me try it again Joe Smolensky owner of Renaissance Funeral Home thank you for the assist there getting me to break and thank you so much for joining us Glad this evening and yeah. providing us with some very valuable information a quick break and back you're listening to Aging Matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF this is Aging Matters care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're switching topics a little bit. We've got a new guest here in the studio. We sure do. We have with us Kim Clardy, and she is a community manager for Capital Oaks, which is a resort lifestyle community here in the area, in the more North Raleigh area. Super excited to talk about them. They are a um, independent living community, which you know we we often talk on this show how there are many types of apples, but not exactly any apple is exactly the same when we're talking about long term care. So there are many different types of long term care communities in the area. Um, there are many types of independent living communities. And so Capital Oaks is one of those really interesting organizations that has independent living for older adults, but they also provide supportive services. So I thought it'd be great just to start there uh, with who you are and what you do. And then I'm super excited because I'm always hungry. We're going to talk about food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Capital Oaks is an independent living community that Mm -hmm. focuses on seniors and bringing all the resources and and services to them so that they can live independently as long as possible. Mm -hmm. So that means bringing in home care services, home health, um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, doctor, you know, doctors coming in, Mm -hmm. and then also just having a really thriving, active community with a um, a robust activities calendar. We provide transportation. We provide all the meals. Mm-hmm. Um, really gives them a very luxury lifestyle. They don't have to worry about anything. They just are. They can live in their home mm-hmm. and and be as active as they want to be and safe and happy. One of the things I find really interesting about independent living communities that add these supportive services is they're they're really filling a gap because a lot of times um, folks just need a little bit of propping up Mm -hmm. to remain Mm -hmm. independent. You know, maybe it's just they forget to take their medications sometimes or maybe they need some occasional assistance with maybe just a bath, but they can handle all their toileting needs and and things like that. Or maybe the meal planning and preparation is just a challenge sometimes. Sometimes they can do it. Sometimes they're just tired and and they'd rather have someone else do it for them. So I think communities like yours definitely fit uh, fit a huge need for older adults. And I think it's part of the wave of the future. Super excited to talk about sort of the historical pieces of food, though. You know, one of the things when I often, when I worked in senior living, 
food was such a huge issue. Still and is. It's, yeah, I know. <laughs> it still is. And and I think part of the reason why it is such an issue is, you know, a lot of times older adults, when they move into communities, they lose so much control over so many of the aspects. So food becomes a fixation. But quite frankly, food's a fixation in my house. I feel like literally with my kids and my husband, I walk into my house and it's all a bunch of beaks are open. Mommy, what's for dinner? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I haven't even sat down yet today. Right, so food is right. just central to all of our lives. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the evolution of the culinary industry in senior living over right. the years. It's definitely changed. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you look back 20 years ago, um, it really was the the communities. There wasn't a lot of independent communities. A lot of it mm-hmm. was more of the AL and mm-hmm. um you know, memory care sniffs and things like more that. More hospital type food, yes, right? Yes, exactly. The green jello. And it and really <laughs> was. It was It was already pre-prepared. It was mm-hmm. in bags. They just had to heat it oh, up. They so weren't gross. hiring, they weren't hiring trained chefs. Mm-hmm. They were hiring people that could heat things. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times in the assisted living world, it was the it was the staff, the caregivers that were actually coming and actually serving the meals to mm-hmm. the patients. So there wasn't a culinary program. It was ran by a dietary manager who was looking more of, well, we've got enough of the right um, nutrition and all of this and this is what they should eat. They weren't looking um, like we do now of, you know, what does it look like? What does it taste like? Um, how is it presented? What is the experience altogether? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I, I remember, you know, 20, oh gosh, I'm back in the, the late 90s uh-huh. when my grandfather was in uh, a memory care unit mm-hmm. and I went to visit him and it was just, it was just sad. It yeah. was, you know, and I don't, I don't criticize the place because I, I think that's just where we were. Right. You know, it wasn't right. really looking forward to that. And things are changing, and we have to, right? Mm-hmm. In the senior industry, we have to, as we continue to age, and, mm-hmm. you know, baby boomers are coming in. Oh, they're going to demand it. <laughs> exactly. So you have to be forward-thinking. You have to really kind of look at what's going on in the restaurant industry as a whole, mm-hmm. not just in the senior industry, because that's where the trends are, and that's where, um, you know, if you get used to eating in a certain way, and you really like to run to this restaurant or that restaurant, or you like to um, walk in and order your meal this way, that's what you're going to expect. Just, right. just like the folks today, um, they're used to eating, you know, meatloaf. You know, the old, yeah, uh, yeah, good, yeah. the good feel-good foods. I still foods. love meatloaf. I do too. But, you know, that's what they want, the fried chicken. They want the yeah. prime rib. They want the meatloaf. And they want it a lot. That's what yeah. their main thing is. For us, you know, I there's going to be some changes. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I probably eat differently than Maybe our a little parents. sushi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's actually one of my notes on here. It, was, it, was, it is. It's going to go toward more of that, more of what we're looking at now and um, where the trends are going. You know, I think, too, there's still a very big misconception that senior industry food is truly the green wobbly mm-hmm. jello still. Yep, absolutely. And I think it, it's not only changing in the senior living, it's changing in the acute care settings as mm-hmm. well. I mean, mm-hmm. we have some uh, phenomenal chefs in some of our hospital systems absolutely. that are Wow, my goodness, amazing. And I and I personally come to know about that just through an event we do through Guiding Lights with the Share to Care event. And right. we've had some hospital systems compete and mm-hmm. it's you know, and then they make some amazing food just to show the public and, and that's really what they're providing even in you the know, hospitals. What's what's changing is is it really was, you know, twenty years ago with them just hiring mm-hmm. whoever. Now there's a process. They're mm-hmm. trying they're hiring trained chefs. And just with our process through mm-hmm. Resort Lifestyles and Capital Oaks. When we hired our chef, um, there was an entire process, of, an interview process that, in, that was personality tests, that were um, skills testing. There were face-to-face interviews. There were phone interviews over you know, several things. It wasn't just, oh, you're breathing. Let's get you to hire you. <laughs> and then when it came down to it, when we were presented with 
uh, the top two. Mm-hmm. The top three actually came to the community and did their corsage. So it's they're showing their skills, and mm-hmm. they all had to do the same thing. And ours, I hope I don't tell any trade secrets uh-huh. here, but they're actually given a, a whole raw chicken and said, I want a entre- a, an appetizer, an Sounds entree, like chopped. and a dessert. Yes, <laughs> oh, a dessert, a dessert a out of a chicken. So they have to do that. And so it's really about on the fly, you know, what they're doing and how creative they are. And then also they're watched with the residents. They're mm-hmm. sort of judged on that and, and looked. And then from those top three, the top two come to the managers. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, we don't have to worry about their skills because we know that they've been vetted. And it's all now about the fit, the fit mm-hmm. with the management team, with the entire team, with the community, how they did with the residents. And because it all feeds back into the ultimate experience of mm-hmm. food. And we know how important that is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that it, it's, it is about the comfort, the feel, mm-hmm. what it's like walking to the dining room and sitting with folks and, and talking and, and those memories of the smells and the tastes mm-hmm. and, you know, that chocolate cream pie that your grandma used to make. Yep. Oh my gosh, this is just like that. So it's, it's important now. We've kind of moved into that realization of it can't just be just another department. It has to be the forefront because I, I, it, I would be hard-pressed to tell you three people that have toured Capitol Oaks that didn't mention food being oh, a top please. priority. Yeah, it's right? huge. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, and on the other, I can imagine it's like extremely difficult to be, especially in this area. You know, here we are technically in the south, but there are so many northern mm-hmm. transplants. <laughs> absolutely. So how do you, you know, so you have your people who want your collard greens, but then you have your people who have never even seen a collard green, and so well, it's a how do you handle that? <laughs> just, just say a green bean. Yeah. Because in the south, we want it. Bushed, right? Uh-huh. We want it cooked and all the way al through. Dante up al north. Dante these. <laughs> so our chefs really have to one take the time to listen and hear and respect those those wishes, and um, and cook in those ways. And so we try to alternate it. I know our chef works really hard to sort of bring in the different flavors and tastes. Um, and even though it may be cooked southern style today, mm-hmm. you know, the next time we have green beans, it will be more northern style. So it really is a you <laughs> it's know, a no it's, win situation. It really is. I, you know, I, I sometimes look at my chef. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I really like that you. Residence I council, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. I, but you know, and speaking of that, I mean, you know, the residents, the chefs now come out mm-hmm. where it used to be. They were behind a wall. The doors were shut. You didn't see anything. Right. And now they're coming out. They're actually stopping and and speaking and you know, hearing and holding these meetings and finding out what it is that the residents want and what they liked and didn't like and and um, really taking that to heart and making those changes and adding things in. So, We've got Kim, Kim Clardy here in the studio. Uh, man, I, I'm over for 2 so far tonight with names. <laughs> I, I need to go back to the, the practice studio and work on my names a little bit. Kim Clardy is here with us. She is the community manager and director of marketing for Capital Oaks Retirement Resort. And we're going to continue our conversation in a bit. And also, I think we're going to plan on where we're going to eat after the show tonight. <laughs> yeah. because, uh, Capital it, Oaks. That's right. That's a good idea. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. And I made the joke going to break that I was 0 for 2 with names. I'm really 0 for 3 because I got Kim's name wrong again. Yeah, well, it's, I did too. Well, you did too. <laughs> I, well, oh, I can blame you. This is great. This is all my fault. It's, it's all Nicole's fault. <laughs> Kim Clarity is our guest. That's... Uh, 
that's yeah. how we're going to Honestly, you it. can call me anything but late for supper. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> so, speaking of food. Really <laughs> Reel it back to this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, this has been an interesting discussion yeah. because I think the, the image that comes into your mind when you think about mm-hmm. uh, culinary food, when you're talking about a, a retirement resort or retirement community, this is not what I think 99% of the people would think in their mind. No, they would think everything is sort of a neutral color and a little bit mashed potato-y right. and mushy and yeah. Yeah. That, not, it's not it. pretty. And so, but it can be very pretty and you know, it, quite interesting. An interesting thing that's happening sort of even in that realm, um, you know, there are still a need for pureed foods for some, you know, True. especially in the assisted living and the memory mm-hmm. cares and things like that. Um, an interesting thing, a technique that they've created is where they do pure, puree, say a pork chop, but then they have the ability to actually shape it back. They into put it a in molds. Yeah, yes. and they shape it back into a pork chop or, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. is. So it it gives the illusion to their brain that they, that's what they're eating, even though it, it has a yeah. consistency that's different. So, yeah. um, you know, it that itself speaks to um, the real desire to satisfy everything, mm-hmm. not just the nutrition, but satisfy your heart and your mind and what you're doing. You know, I'd, I'd like to take you to in sort of a, a different direction and you might smack me in a second here and I'm too bad they, there's no video here. But, right. um, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I still think, you know, we are making so many, uh, so such a positive progression for some of these senior living communities, particularly the private pay ones, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think we have a real issue still and it's not for the fault of some of these communities that have uh, just such a constraint financially that Absolutely. accept Medicaid dollars where, and, and I've even heard this related to the event we put on that folks feel like they can't compete on the culinary side with some mm-hmm. of these amazing communities because they just don't have the dollars. So mm-hmm. they say, you know, you know, they'll even say to me privately on the side, you know, Nicole, I just feel like we can't compete with some of these organizations because we're not hiring chefs. We have cooks mm-hmm. and we can't do anything more than cooks because we don't have the money to do it. So, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately I still think some folks are getting some of that kind sure. of the old style, which reinforces some of the misconceptions out there. And it's not for a lack of desire. And that's right. what I want everybody to understand is it's not for lack of desire of these organizations to do this. Sometimes it's, there's huge financial constraints. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I, I, you know, we're lucky enough to come from mm-hmm. that the that other side where yeah. there is private pay. But I think that honestly, even they're moving into a they're, direction they're of trying. understanding yeah. that it's not just give them food and yeah. satisfy a nutritional. It really is about, you know, you can still plate something beautifully mm-hmm. yeah. and you can still put your your heart and your own personal love as a cook mm-hmm. into what you're putting out for right. residents. So I think that... It, that is, you know, even though maybe financially they can't serve lobster right. or, you know, eight different choices of something, right. or they can still put that same care and love right. into the emotional side of food. And you can definitely taste the love. Absolutely. My, my, my husband always says he can tell when I made a sandwich with love or when I just made a sandwich. <laughs> well, and I was like, well, sorry, I was really busy. <laughs> but, but seriously, you yeah, can absolutely. taste the love in the sandwich yep, for sure. Absolutely. absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about sort of where you see the future heading with this. I, you know, it's been interesting. Because I, as I said before, um, if you watch the restaurant trends, mm-hmm. that's really then the culinary industry is following that. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing more of a sort of restaurant style coming mm-hmm. in, right? So yep. we have fast casual, which is something um, leisure dining. So they mm-hmm. have these, you know, Capilux kind of has ranges of time that the residents come in and, and eat, and there's no structured meal time. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, that's was this is the move, and this is where they want to go. But it's even moving farther past that is. 
our kitchens and all of the RLC buildings were created to be a full restaurant mm-hmm. when we get there. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, that's not where we are. Mm-hmm. But if you look at CCRCs, Continuing care retirement Continuing care retirement communities, yes. That's where they are. They are now opening up full-fledged restaurants. Yeah, um, black tie and, even sometimes. And inviting in outside people, opening mm-hmm. them to the public, um, you know, having even like mall food courts, you know, where yep. you've got, you have several different options in a, a you know, cluster restaurants, if you'd say, and um, giving residents credit at mm-hmm. those places and, and meal cards and things like that. Um, so you can go to your Starbucks cafe. Exactly. Literally, they have them exactly. in some of these buildings. Exactly. So that's, that is definitely a movement. Now that, you know, when you're kind of talking about the financial side of that, you know, mm-hmm. when you've got, you know, the, the, the non-private pay and right. you've got private pay and then you've got private pay CCRCs, which right. is, you know, immensely more. Yeah. <laughs> so they can do some more things <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But I think that all of us will start to see that. And one of the uh, newer um, community that's opening is a 55 and over and it's Trio and it's... Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be open later on this fall, and it's a 55 and over sort of apartment complex. Um, they will be providing meals. You know, they have a continental breakfast, they have a Sunday brunch. But one of the really unique things that really intrigued me is they're actually opening a bistro huh. um, that's open to the public. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be able to, you know, people will be coming in and, and just ordering lunch. And, mm-hmm. you know, the residents can go down and order lunch. And it's it, it's a whole different concept for this sort of model. Mm-hmm. And um, almost sounds more like colleges now, right? Where you get a meal plan and you can. Yes. <laughs> I, someone said that to me yesterday. So I, I think that it's a really interesting concept. And I think one of the things coming from just getting folks in the door to tour mm-hmm. is we sort of try to focus those tours around food. Right. right? So, you know, either way around it, their family has to say, well, we're going to go to Capital Oaks Retirement Resort and we're going to have lunch. Right. Well, if there's a pushback, you know, they're now if we, you know, as we move to that, they're going to say, Hey, let's just go have lunch. Right. They don't. And then you sort of immerse it. Yeah. It's just like, it's just what it is. And then you can, you sort of saying, Oh, this is, this is what I would have every day. So it really is a unique movement. And, um, I would say, even though, you know, on a grander scale, it's happening in those larger um, companies and larger CCRCs, I think you will see companies like us moving into that as well. Um, and, kind of changing that format and making it more of an open restaurant type feel. So one of the interesting things I've kind of heard across the country, I attended a national conference several months ago, and some of these continuing care retirement communities, CCRCs and independent living communities that are living more in like our North Hills type Mm -hmm. area, right? Uh Or, you know, maybe near the Tobacco Road area of Durham. Let's just throwing it out there. What sounds similar they have their cafes in their buildings, but then they actually go around to the restaurants and get credit for their residents. So the residents can actually go around, their independent residents, uh-huh. to some of the restaurants uh-huh. in the area Interesting. and have a meal plan with them, actually, and oh. actually go out to some of the restaurants. So that was even a... Yet huh, interesting. Yeah, I haven't, idea. yeah, I haven't heard that. You know, but that's kind of interesting. Well, and, and Give I me think more options. I think or, so, and I think yeah. we're going to have to sort of turn some of this on its head because mm-hmm. as we're hit as a country with this wave of older adults and the way that communities are going to be caring for them, sometimes communities are going to be caring for them outside the walls of their buildings. Sometimes, like for example, there's a continuing care retirement community in Chapel Hill. It extends their services to people who actually don't even live on their campus. They can live in their private homes, but they have access to Mm -hmm. things. So I think there's a a look to, you know, how are we going to be able to do this in the future without the buildings in some cases Mm -hmm. even, because there may not be room, um, and still provide support to older adults. And so I think that's an interesting way as well to look at food. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned as we, you know, as as we get more seniors and things around, I was reading that roughly 10,000 
people will turn 65 every day for the next 20 years. Yes. So definitely coming. And I, I do want to, you know, I think that as a whole, the mm-hmm. senior culinary industry is moving toward this really fresh and mm-hmm. organic and sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, we have honeybees. We have mm-hmm. our own honeybee boxes on our yep. property. So we'll be using that honey and, and you know, using that and processing that with, with our food. We have companies now like Cisco who have Cisco Fresh and they're bringing in fresh vegetables to mm-hmm. a lot of places rather than going to the IQF and the canned mm-hmm. foods. They're bringing, they're getting fresh vegetables and fresh fruits every single day. Um, I think you're going to start seeing more community gardens that are not just part of the activity program, yeah. but actually used by the chef. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're going to see, you know, sushi and you're going to see sous vide products and you're going to see um, the the blast chillers, just you know, all those things yep. we see on, on the food networks. Yeah, yes. that we're going to really, because that's what we're, that's what we're yeah. expecting as, yep. as we get grow older mm-hmm. and that's what we we're have now and that's what we expect. And it will ultimately just continue to change and be more and more developed as our taste change. Well, this has been a very appetizing discussion, for sure. (laughs) Kim Clarity has been our guest and is CapitalOaksRetirement.com the best place for folks to go to find more information? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a Facebook page and they can always call us as well. There you go. Excellent. Kim, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It was a fascinating discussion, and it was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And you're all welcome for lunch at Capital I'm like hungry. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate that. I'll I'll pick up the ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll hold you to that. I'm I'm just kidding. Thank you very much. And we're just about out of time. Uh, On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I'm Jason Kong, reminding you that you can go to caregiversummit.org, caregiversummit.org, to find more information about the Caregiver Summits. I've got one coming up very soon. You can find more information about that. You can also go to WPTF.com and head over to the Aging Matters section where you can find uh, a replay of this episode and all the past episodes that we've done if you want to catch up. Uh, We're just about out of time here. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.